Yes, yes, the brindu. We can get the Sunday roast without the roast now that we're off meat. Yes. Yeah, I've told many people about it. The documentary, What the Health, makes you think again about what you eat, about what we're doing to the planet, brings up Al Crowder's 12 Steps to Natural Gardening. Fantastic book that addresses the seeming monopoly of the chemical companies that ironically got their start after World War II and the land-grant colleges. There was an excess of potash from the munitions factories that could be used in fertilizers. The land-grant college university professors, including my own, including Mr. Crowder's own at Cornell University, were bamboozled about chemical fertilizers, and they passed this bamboozlement on to their students. It wasn't until Mr. Crowder went fully organic that he understood that the chemical fertilizers he was feeding his plants were actually making them weaker because they were destroying the rhizosphere, the micro-organic organisms that create something called the food web underneath the surface of the soil. Destroy that with chemical companies, and you can see that your plants are not going to be as robust as would an organic plant. So please, people, stop pouring chemicals on your lawns and look up Al Crowder's 12 Steps to Natural Gardening. Hello, Nigel. Hello, sir. Today's show. Sir? Yes, Nigel. Don't forget the t-shirt, sir. Yes, yes. Go to Shopify. You'll find Douglas Day t-shirts. That's all I'm going to say. You have a phone call, sir? Line three, sir. Douglas Day. Obscurata nunquam. Douglas Day. Obscurata nunquam. Nigel. Sorry, sir. Line one, sir. Douglas Day. Sorry, sir. Line seven, sir. Douglas Day. The man with the hat. Yes. The man with the hat. Yes, yes, it's true, it's me, yes. The man with the heart. Yes, yes. Thank you, Nigel. Yes, sir. Today we'll be listening to a poem from Nigel Lewis Stevenson's Oxford series of poems. That will be followed by a song chosen by our musical curator, Mr. Mortimer Page. And Mr. Ross will be in to read his chapter 26 of his anti-war novel, Hard Water, and that will be followed by another song chosen by our musical curator, Mr. Mortimer Page. Nigel, are you ready to read your poem? Yes, sir. This is a poem by Nigel. It's from his Oxford series. It's called Preliminary Journey, Part 1, The Low Countries. In the low countries, they speak a mother tongue, that is wholly beyond me, more to do with oo and ahs than any peoples I've ever studied. The climate, if you could call it that, is more akin to, say, Cincinnati than twould be expected of such cruelly deracinated thickets of land. I lost my first assistant on a Wednesday, fell in with he a woman posing as a man, Gouged out later, eyes hung down like Christmas balls, spinning, looking, spinning, looking, not far from the falls.
the LA-based band Wake Owl, a duet with roots in Vancouver, British Columbia, and Seattle, and Portland. I asked the band what that prehistoric sound was. Sounded like some sort of underwater dinosaur. The band let me know that sound was made by an old analog Korg synthesizer. This is more my beige. Thank you, Mortimer. Mr. Ross, how are you today? I'm good, Douglas. How are you doing? Hey, Nigel. Tip-tap-ba. Mr. Ross, what'd you think of Nigel's poem, Preliminary Journey, The Low Countries? I liked it. I always like Nigel's poetry. I like how he entitles it, The Preliminary Journey, The Low Countries, which makes me think, hmm, is there such a thing as a preliminary journey that sort of leads to the assumption that there's going to be another journey. So I'm interested to see where Nigel goes with this. Thank you, sir. Right. Mr. Ross, chapter 26 today. It should be noted, as I was thinking about last week's broadcast, that you're a big fan of 
anachronisms in your writing. Of course, we can trace this back to your novel Recusito and Spread Thy Love, one based in the Revolutionary War times, looking at the leadership crisis of George Washington and Spread Thy Love set during the Great Depression, focusing on teenage hobos riding the rails. But it is not uncommon for you to insert certain details that would be from the future of the time period you're basing your story in. For instance, Sal's Pizza in the midst of the Winter of Valley Forge. What say you to this penchant for anachronisms, Mr. Ross? Well, Douglas, you are completely correct. Um, I actually had to look that word up, but it comes from the Greek ana meaning backward and chronos meaning time, so backward time. And sometimes I worry that it throws the reader off, but it just seems to me that in the process of writing, in the process of being a human being, that we are constantly engaged in exploring this trifurcation of the past, the present, and the future. And that's really all I can say about that penchant for anachronisms. Mm, trifurcation. You know, when I was studying in Oxford, Mr. Ross, with Dr. Johansson, studying the work of Mr. James Joyce, the doctor, the professor, the uh, tutor, as they call them in Oxford, put a word up on the board, and the word was nomen, G-N-O-M-O-N. And she drew a square and then X'd out one corner of the square, took away all the boundaries so it looked more like a box with a step on it. And she explained that the nomen was that which is not there. Further research on the word itself, inspired by your looking up anachronism, is that a gnomon is the piece on a sundial that casts the shadow, or the piece on a sundial of which a shadow is cast. You correct my grammar, Mr. Ross. You're the teacher, huh? No, that sounded good, Douglas. So I think that's instructive. I think we keep that in mind as we read, as we live. Of course, James Joyce himself said, everybody talks about the mysteries of the unconscious, what about the mysteries of the conscious, is what he said. So, Mr. Ross, whenever you're ready to start on Chapter 26, yam on. Thanks, Douglas. Hard Water, Part 3, It's Got to be Sacred, Chapter 26. A thin veil of smoke issues forth from the entrance of the clandestine Kentucky cave. A weasel-like creature, properly called a fisher, pricks up its oversized ears and beckons me enter the dark and forbidding grotto. I do so. A bright fire burns in the rear of the cave and it provides a broken kind of dark. A maroon leather recliner that reeks of cigarettes is planted next to the fire. The phasma-like fissure compliment of Mervyn Peak beckons I sit so I do so. Splendid! booms a disembodied voice. Get comfortable. I recline the recliner into astronaut mode. The phasma dives through the air and delivers itself Mervyn Peak style to an outcropping on the damp cave wall. The voice booms again. What hath ye to confess, pilgrim? Ah, uh, ah. Uh, Just as I suspected. 
booms the voice. A recalcitrant pilgrim. I stole, I killed, I cried, I tried. You did indeed, sir, and for our purposes it's most important for you to know that we shall take all of those factors into consideration as we develop your treatment. Thank you. You're very welcome, sir. You are most welcome, sir. Uh, yes, sir. How long will the treatment last? Hard to say, sir. Depends mostly on the welfare of your memory. We don't expect you to remember everything. But we do require a working minimum of anecdotal evidence regarding your pastime on this planet. Once we are armed with that information, we can then proceed to the second and third stages of the treatment, which is to distill all of the evil, stinking detritus out of you and replace it with a clear and burning light. Understand, sir, we can't get there from here without your undying attention to detail. Honesty, as you know, is of the utmost importance, so shall we begin. Yes. And please feel free if the mood strikes you to close your eyes. Often helps one visualize and capture details, details. So, first question is, where were you on such and such a date and such a such a place in a year of such and such? I was in elementary school. And? I stole ice cream, repeatedly. Duly noted, clocked, and cataloged. Look here, we've got you projected onto the wall, pretending to put coins into the change receptacle. Despicable. I know. You truly did enjoy dipping and mixing your chocolate eclairs into your pint milk carton in order to make a milkshake. I did. But you never progressed from there, correct? There were no phases of stealing frozen vegetables, for instance, or processed cheese. No. Good on you then, what else? Yes, I forgot to take care of a dog. I want to ask that dog's forgiveness. Okay, we can do that, projecting the dog's image onto the wall now. Hello, pup, you can start speaking. Hello, pup, I'm sorry I forgot to feed you. You're a fine dog, and please forgive me. She is a fine dog, and it appears she has forgiven you. Not so sure her owners ever will, but she forgives you. Good. Right. Good is good. And speaking of what's good, it's lunchtime, mister, so rustle up your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, your pomegranate and blueberry kombucha, and your fig bars for dessert. Indeed I shall. Indeed you will, indeed I would if I could. In the meantime, it's time to do what we do. Shake your booty, shake your booty. I attempt a jig of sorts, feeling lighter from confessing a mere pair of sins of my past improvident behavioral miscues. Feel the power of the river rushing slowly to the sea. That's the mighty, mighty Ohio River, Mr. No Stranger to you and me. And incidentally, you will soon be free to resume your journey to Cincinnati. Regardless of tears or fears or words or birds flying through the warm April air without a care nor dare to disregard the sun and sit back and have some fun. 
Soon your women folk will see you and will hug your brittle bones as they welcome you back in grateful tones of utter care and disbelief. My God, boy, they'll say we got your grave for you to see. It's up at Good Hope next to your pa, your sister, and your pet. And then they'll say, But since you're here, have no fear. When Ruth gets back, we'll concoct a meal. And you can tell us how you survived to tell the tale. Ruth Bat died when she got your mail. None of us could believe it for a night and a day. And your fiancé could not be happier that you made it home in mostly one piece. Don't you worry about your tremor. Your life is just a lease. Things go wrong with the motor and the guts. But the truth is, you've got your nut, nut, nuts, and your putt, putt, putts, and ne'er shall the twain meet. Your dreams of utter dread will ultimately be replaced with a spanky new rendition of all that you've faced, and all that you've traced, and all, my sweet daddy, that you have erased for it's the milk of human kindness that truly rules the roost so if you've got the inclination to give a proper boost to those starving fellow pilgrims who bring up the caboose of our national consciousness pause now jot down your goals and aspirations to rejoin the world in a positive way. Jettison all negative dwellings and bask in the warm February sun. Dreaming of the nights and days when you'll put down that gun. Now and forevermore, 100% intent. To heal the wounds inflicted by the devil tree of war. Who will you lead through the pearly gates and celebrate the poor heathens as they shake hands with grace, content in a newfound knowledge that love is like a club whose door is often open, whose price is often free from here to the utter last drops of humanity. Pause. Your soul lives on, brother, as your body fades down into the utter darkness of nothingness. Precipitated by a life well lived, you did what you did, and it's not always easy to rid yourself from yourself. And that loathsome pit of, oh, poor me. Seriously, brother, we have very little sympathy for those who rely solely on a puffery. If you want to change, then rearrange. 
The parameters that keep you penned inside your head. Raise your ears above the din and heed the great Lord's call. You may trip, you may fall, you may never catch that fish that so far eludes your call. But that don't mean you stop casting that wish. Stick. Intuitiveness, brother, is the fine wine of a life well lived. A crucial component that sets a brother free from the slipstream of certain misery. Brought on by the ego's need for up puffery. Time is and time isn't all at the same time. I'm sure I've sang this ditty before. In order to get what you deserve, you've got to demolish the demons at your door and show some iron nerve. Let loose those dogs and bark with vim and vinegar and verve. You ain't dead yet. So what's the big issue? Your nose is running, partner. So use a tissue. And don't for a moment lose your faith in me. Sometimes I'm a dragon. And sometimes I'm a goat. Sometimes I'm in the tower. And sometimes in the moat. But I never give up on hope. As the supreme antidote. And nor should you, my gentle sweet knight. It's been a long time that I last saw you fight. You've got back from the war and all of that killing. A penny for your thoughts as I go on swilling. The surplus of hard water decanted in this cup. The goblet of uh uh-oh, I can't seem to give up. But let me be candid and let me be frank. Mine is hard water, then who would we thank? For the beauty of flowers and the beauty of trees. The beauty of bluebirds, come back soon, who please? We have made it through the winter of our discontent. Our souls are forever, our bodies we rent. In the short, sharp shock, realization that every single God-given revelation is steeped in the consolation of everlasting glory and everlasting peace. Our souls are forever, our skins we just lease. So now that we've cleared the decks of any misunderstanding, I'd like to propose a toast to this gentleman landing on the golden stairs of understanding. Mercy and grace as he wipes off the mirror and is faced with his face strewn with the wrinkles of time boxed like a ponderous mime speaking words without uttering a sound of the glorious glory to be found six feet underground where the worms and the slugs and the beetles do play i dig a pygmy and where doris gets her oats and we all embark on the journey of our lives on boats festooned with a thousand warm coats bound for those who need them most 
as the days and the weeks and the months upgather, like a parade of happy, healthy, forgiving, and forgiven, graceful, and grateful, unkillable, ghastly green ghosts, whose thin hands clasp my shoulders, as the following phrase rolls off of their tongues and into my man he was and we continue to see great progress in our former military men who were once inclined to take out their anger with brutality are now beginning to sense that that shot of adrenaline they so desperately need can lose its potent allure the more they talk about what they did see obviously it is not easy it requires a recurring gaze at flashpoints of terror an opening of wounds once best thought closed, an exhaustive cataloging of the nittiest of grittiest details, details, the devil is in the details. Each time they take themselves through hell, another layer of fear is shed, making room for peaceful thoughts to spread in their head. As mentioned earlier, it is often found constructive to have the subjects close their eyes, for in the dark beginnings of the recreations of the preoccupations begins to rise and rise, whilst, conversely, that far-off, damning, distant, dilapidated stare begins to softly vanish from their bloodshot eyes, prompting them once again to sing that happy little ding-a-ling. Oh, what a lucky man he was.
Seattle-based singer-songwriter Chris Staples, remembering things that never happened, quite the wordsmith. Thank you to our musical guests, the band Wake Owl and the exquisite troubadour, Mr. Chris Staples. This is Mortimer Page. Thank you, Mortimer. This has been another edition of Book Smart with Douglas Day. Peace.